I was having this low back pain thing for just a couple years and it got really bad. And I just decided to do some more foundation yoga, like tree pose and some of the stretches that really focus on building up my core and breathing into that area. It really became clear that this is just where I was holding all my shit. Thanks for checking out Guys Talking Yoga. So this podcast is focused on getting more men into yoga by raising awareness of its many benefits through conversations with other guys. I'm your host, Derek Vanderwalker, and you know, we've had a couple of guys share their story for how their yoga practice has helped support their recovery from addiction. And I just so happen to be introduced to a guy who's an addiction specialist who also has a steady yoga practice. Dr. Ken Starr is a former emergency room doctor who founded his own clinic called the Ken Starr MD Wellness Group which is the industry leader in NAD therapies, ketamine, and detoxification programs. They offer substance abuse treatment, mental health counseling, nutritional counseling, and other men's health services. In this conversation, Ken shares how he discovered yoga in the late 90s through the super hot 90-minute Bikram series while doing a med school rotation at Stanford Medical Center outside Palo Alto. And what I really enjoy about this talk is that we really get into how yoga can help with tension and trauma in our body and our minds. Ken shares a lot of great tips and thoughts around his practice and how it's helped him. He speaks a little bit to those challenges that people have in fighting addiction. And our discussion was really anchored around yoga as a solution, a solution for managing those patterns of moving away from discomfort and pain, something that everyone deals with every single day and not just those battling addiction. Enjoy the show. Well, Dr. Ken Starr, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Derek. Good morning. Hey, so a good friend of ours connected us and I know you used to work with our friend in the emergency rooms in Oregon. I was very interested in talking to you because, well, number one, you've got a very extensive long yoga practice and also you're an emergency room MD and you've done a lot of work more recently working with those struggling with addiction. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into yoga. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Well, mutual friend Hans, I worked with him in the ER for about 10 years in Oregon before moving to California. So my yoga journey, I was a fourth-year medical student in Texas. I went out to Menlo Park to spend a month with my brother and do a rotation at Stanford. And my brother, Darren, who's six years older than me, said, hey, you got to come to this yoga class I've started. It's really fun. And you just got to come to this yoga class and see this teacher. It's just a great workout. She's beautiful. Okay. So, of course, I did that. And, of course, that was Bikram Yoga back in, like, 96 or so. Just had a wonderful workout. Just the strengthening and the sweating and the stretching just really blew me away. And I was really hooked from then on. And I ended up doing, like, 10 days in a row. And 10 days of hot yoga in a row, if you're not acclimated to that, is a life changer. Yeah. I've never done yoga 10 days in a row, so I know what you mean. So from that point on, you obviously connected with the physicality of it. Tell us a little bit more about how you started to really develop your yoga practice and what got you hooked. Yeah, so I met my wife in Bikram Yoga in 1996, and she was testing me. She's like, well, let's stay for the next Shtanka class. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> and then we went up to San Francisco and did Bikram downtown in that hot old studio on Lombard that was a, just a sweat tank. And she's continued to motivate me every day. And she's got a great practice. And one of the reasons I continue to practice is to try to keep up with her. We ended up 
eating together now for over 21 years. Wait, so you met her at a Bikram <laughs> class and she said uh-huh. to take another class that same day right afterwards? Yeah. So I was kind of flirting with her in class and she's like, well, let's stay for the Ashtanga class. Which After is funny Bikram, because right? Bikram is tough and Ashtanga is no walk in the park either, right? No, no. She was just testing me. She was just completely seeing what I was made out of. Like, was I going to fold and cry or was I just going to man this out and do it? And so I did it. It's fine. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Plenty of yoga that week. So how did your yoga practice evolve from that point over the next couple of years? Well, just with the introduction of the Bikram yoga being connected and in love with someone who is just strongly connected to yoga, it's just helped me completely stay in the game and find yoga and integrate it into my life. So if there's hot yoga, I love doing that. If there's not, I'll do something else. I mean, yoga also teaches you adaptability. So maybe we'll do a flow class or maybe we'll do a vinyasa class or a power flow or just whatever. It's just so great. So I've just always found yoga to be just grounding and satisfying. It's just wonderful. So it's just kind of kept me in the game. And I think as my career in emergency medicine got busy during the whole duration of my career, 24 years in the ER, yoga was just always a tool and a resource that I had to keep me grounded and present and mindful and connected. So adaptability, if you could speak a little bit more to that point, because I think it is definitely something that others don't really think about when they first start doing yoga. I think when they first go, it's like, well, it's going to help me with my lower back. It's going to help me get in shape. I'll lose some weight. I'll get some better sleep. But adaptability, like physically, mentally, and maybe existentially, it does a lot of that. What was your experience? Well, my experience with it is that yoga for me just helped create a presence and an awareness. Learning to hold still just physically and being uncomfortable, it allows solutions to develop, solutions in your body and solutions to your problems that we turn away from that we don't solve. So being present on the mat, irrespective of what you're doing or how hard the posture or how hot it is. It just takes you to a place where you now have the opportunity to connect. And for me, it's just been just an amazing 30-year journey. Yeah, so solutions, that's another great little thought to consider because when I think about yoga, and I just had a recent conversation with a woman who works very closely with the University of Oregon athletes, and we were talking about rehabilitation, how a lot of folks came into yoga to help rehabilitate injuries. And so when I think about yoga as like a physical solution, it is a great way to knit together and bring back, let's say, groups of muscles, not just a muscle that you injured, but groups of muscles and creating sort of a group approach to stabilizing that joint, which is the way they're supposed to work. But yoga is really great about, at least from like a somatic, intentional kind of cultivated awareness, it's great at doing that. I think if you really were into anatomy, you could obviously figure out what muscle and what's working with what. But just in moving around over time without even planning it, yoga does physically solve a lot of muscular imbalances and challenges. But when I think about sort of the mental solutions, I think yoga is a great way to deal with stress you're someone who's prone with anxiety or depression, or you're just bouncing all around because 
there's a lot of great things or challenging things in your life that's not letting you stay focused. And then I even think spiritually, I think spiritually, existentially, yoga is a solution to checking out from the reality that you think is around you and maybe checking in the reality and kind of what's within you, what's going on with your life. So with solutions, did you have any of that similar experience? And you've been doing this since what, the late 90s, the mid 90s? What have been some of the things that yoga as a solution has helped you with? Well, the points you make, I think, are kind of one and the same. I mean, physically getting into where you're tight and holding tension and then the stresses of life are one and the same because we're holding that emotional trauma somewhere in our body, right? I have found that when I can just sit and breathe and stretch, and this isn't a formal class. This is just honestly, usually 15, 20 minutes before I go to sleep, just to get on the floor and just stretch and just hold and breathe. I can just really feel the tension come out. And just by breathing and stretching, I can feel where I'm holding tension in my back and in my legs. And it's just become a ritual to kind of help let things go at the end of the day. On a, on a maintenance basis. So the solution for me is just an awareness of where I hold stress. And an example of that, I didn't even know at the time, was like, I was having this low back pain thing. Like, I kind of like what you described with your health issues, but I had this low back thing for just a couple of years and it got really bad. And I was like, I mean, I had a, an ultrasound. I had like, oh my God, something's wrong. I just could not figure out what it was. And I just decided to do some more foundation yoga, like tree pose and some of the stretches that really focus on building up my core and breathing into that area. It really became clear that this is just where I was holding all my shit. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it's gone completely. And it has been for years just by having a regular awareness of this is where Ken holds his shit. I mean, I've had a twinge here and there over the years. But nothing like that was like two years of daily back pain. I was scared I was never even going to be the same. And it's not anything like that anymore. Yeah, no, it is super spot on. And I've talked to a couple of guys on this show. We've talked about John Sarnow's book, Healing Back Pain. And he talks about like tense myofascia syndrome, TMS, right? Mm -hmm. And he talks a lot about how type A athletes and type A people tend to really be the ones who really struggle with this. And I think whether or not you're a type A person or not, if you are carrying a lot of stress and that is multiplied by the fact that we're all sitting a lot, right? And so our lower back gets kind of weak and tired. It's a place where a lot of us hold our shit. But if you have a longer term approach and learn how to move that stress out of that place, yoga is awesome for that. And I know right. you know this really well. And, and if it's your lower back, it's probably your whole spine. Like your whole spine needs to be longer and stronger. And anyhow, I know a lot of people and a lot of guys deal with lower back issues. Right. And just getting on the mat and rolling around and getting started is like the first step. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Just to show up, just to get on the mat and just breathe and hold still. And those little postures that you see, oh, I can do those. Those are easy. I don't even need to start with that. Just the basic, just A's and B's and yeah, breathing and just finding where you're tight. Oh, it just changes my whole day. 
Yeah. I mean, I've been doing yoga on and off for 20 years. I still have a pretty clunky practice. It doesn't look like an Instagram pose by any means. But some mornings, if I'm just jammed for time or I got to get on the train to head to the city, I just I just roll out the mat and I'd lie down on it and bring the knees up to the chest, a little rolling around. I mean, just a check in. And if it moves into something else from there and I have time, I'll do it. Or maybe I'll take the next train if I can do it. But I hear you just getting to the mat is the first step. And as long as you're doing that, it kind of keeps that practice going. Yeah. And if I'm real short on time or, or even maybe on a ski trip, hanging out with my friends in the morning, I'll just do some basic like warrior poses and just hold them until like I'm exhausted. Just warrior A's and B's and warrior one and two. Just I'll just hold this. Nothing complicated, but just sit and just hold it. And breathe. And breathe. You can just feel everything kind of opening up and my legs getting tired and my pelvis opening and so easy just to kind of check in and get the juices flowing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even a warrior two, right? A uh-huh. warrior two pose. If you stand for like 30 seconds, like your legs start to shake. And I think that's some of the awesome strength and conditioning that's happening that people don't realize is available in yoga. And that's the challenge is, is holding that stillness and not just one breath and going into something else. What is it like to find stillness in that discomfort and get stronger? That's kind of what, that's what gets me going. Yeah, right. So to find that edge and that discomfort and just settle into it. So by the way, you just made me think about the fact that I think a lot of vinyasa flow classes move a little, <laughs> a little bit too quick with movement. And I think people really can benefit having a slightly slower flow or slower sequence practice to enjoy those moments where you really stay in the pose for a hot minute. Yeah, it's good for getting you warmed up and the heat going and the juices flowing to kind of keep going from one thing to the next thing. But it's a different ball game to just hold it and just do things slower and more mindful. Absolutely. And work on the form. Because I found like when I do things more slowly and I have to hold it, I have time to dial in like, oh, wow, I really should be a lot lower. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm not going lower because I'm tense there. Well, what happens if I just even things out and try to get into the place where this is harder? Oh, wow, that's, that's where I need to be because we avoid the discomfort. We want to avoid discomfort physically and mentally. That's a great way to put it. You sort of hit the nail on the head on that. Sometimes if you go into warrior two or any pose, the first attempt at doing that on that particular morning or day, you maybe only go 60 or 70% or even 50, depending on what's going on. And then your next time around, maybe you're 70 to 80%. And then you widen your stance or you shorten your stance or whatever creates that different need. So I'm with you. And I think having that awareness and that knowledge that have the option to do those different things, it doesn't have to be exactly what the teacher's doing in the front of the class or the, what the teacher's doing on the app, you can go off the script. It's your body. Just know what you're doing and, and do it safe. All right. Yeah, I'm always modifying. There's things I do really well. I have real loose, open hips. And there's things I don't do real well. So we all have our... Yeah, we all got our, we all got our stuff. Well, we all got our stuff. <laughs> so, so speaking of stuff, you have been working quite closely for the last few years with those who are struggling with addiction. Can you speak to what your program is, what services you offer? And if you can, can you connect the dots on how something like yoga, for some folks struggling with addiction, 
find a great way to balance themselves? And what's the message for other folks who may not be struggling with addiction, but struggle with the same ups and downs and challenges in life that we all deal with day to day? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Right. So I'm an addiction medicine specialist. I'm a board certified drug and alcohol doc. And my 100% of my practice now is substance abuse and detox and medication management. I've been doing that for about 10 years. And so well, one of the things I do is I run an outpatient program where we offer counseling in groups for substance abuse treatment in addition to detox and medications. And we have a real mindfulness-based program. And fortunately, there are a lot of great mindfulness-based recovery programs like refuge recovery, Dharma recovery that are not necessarily 12-step based anymore. What we had just said a minute ago, Derek, about avoiding discomfort, even on just our own personal level in our own practice, the way we move our body avoids discomfort. So any behavior that gives a person temporary relief of pain and discomfort and brings pleasure is an addiction. And that individual will return time and time again to that. And that's not always substance abuse, although that's what I am focused on, but it could be a process addiction, right? It could be gambling, it could be an eating disorder, it could be pornography. Commonly, it's a substance abuse and alcohol. As you've mentioned, we have a mutual friend who has a yoga practice and has had alcohol issues, but there's a huge connection there. So part of healing from a substance abuse addiction is becoming aware of your mind and your body and your discomfort and addressing it. For that to be a lasting recovery, you need to have a paradigm shift. In other words, if I tell patients, oh, just don't drink you know, wine for two weeks. Well, okay, that's willpower. They like drinking wine. They cannot drink for two weeks or not drink beer for 30 days because of whatever. But for them to not want to because they don't want to feel like that, That's a paradigm shift that really only comes with connections and clarity and mindfulness of all the things that are missing in addiction. So by checking in and being present and becoming aware of what your shit is, that for me and a lot of others can happen in a class and on the mat in a really rewarding and gratifying and just powerful way. So when I come out of a great yoga class, I feel so good, right? Way better than I would ever feel drinking an IPA. Don't get me wrong. I love beer. (laughs) I'll have a beer, but I feel so good. And then what do I crave? Then I crave healthier food, right? And then I crave a healthier experience. I crave the connections to people who we just had that great experience with. So And then what happens is like, if I don't do yoga for a few days or I'm traveling around on the road, and then I look back, oh, wow, what what did I eat today? What did I drink today? Mm, I had pizza, I had beer, I had, right? So it's these little things that kind of add up. Whereas if I'm doing yoga, I can just tell you, if I did yoga seven days in a row, my diet is always clean just because I create healthier things. So the connection, I think yoga can be a, a wonderful solution going back to that word that you you, you keyed in on, to help yeah. with the underlying causes of addiction and substance abuse. I've never struggled with addiction. I, I will say that to your point about craving healthier things, 
you definitely, if you do a lot of yoga, and it doesn't have to be in a 102 degree room, but if you're just using your body in that way on a regular basis, your body is processing all the toxins that come out of that movement, right? Even if it's slow, steady, intentional movement, your body's looking to flush stuff out. And so it forces you to drink a lot of water. Like on a cellular level, your body needs water to kind of move out that stuff from your lymphatic system. And you don't want a dozen hot wings and a scotch after <laughs> yoga. Like you just, that, your body's right. just like, no, even if it tastes good and it's going to feel good, we don't want this. And I think that's the, the awesome course correcting aspect of yoga that I think offers a lot of people, men and women to utilize. And I think to your point about what you were saying about the paradigm shift, I think there's an opportunity within yoga not just to get your mind-body connection better established, but especially in the philosophical stuff, which I don't think is always super accessible. And I think not everyone gets into it and others, maybe it takes some time. But just like Buddhism, this practice, the underlying deeper, older aspects of what yoga is, you learn to kind of disconnect your ego from what you want it to be and what you think it is out there in the universe. And you really just kind of let go of stuff. And I would imagine for those struggling with addiction, that paradigm shift is a lot of letting go of what you, what you're avoiding, what you think you want. And, and I got to imagine that is probably a pretty, pretty powerful experience for those people. Yeah. I think letting go of expectations that transformation can happen in practice and for me it's, it has to happen in the stillness and the discomfort where i can't avoid it right i can't i have to let go of my ego when i when i can do what i can do it's like i might think i'm a great cyclist until i ride with other people come ride with me ken i'll make you feel good right and then I told you the other day that I went to Boulder for a conference and did Bikram next to Isak Garcia, who's a world-renowned, world champion yoga practitioner. And you want to lose your ego. You stand next to him and look in the mirror and see what that guy's doing. Holy shit, right? It's like, oh my God, is this guy even human? Did you bring out your chair pose? Did you show him the chair pose? <laughs> I just stopped. I'm going to get my camera. I'm like, hey, just hang down. I'm going to take a picture. I know. Right, exactly. So the presence and awareness, learning how there's just people who have no emotional IQ. Yes. But that maybe they're smart people. The presence and awareness of your environment is more real and tenable when your mind is calm. Yes. And for many people, and certainly me, that is achieved by my yoga practice. Yeah, I, I feel very much the same way with that. Absolutely. And that's what's the cool thing about just getting into it, even if it's just the physical stuff and start from there. You know, maybe you don't have the deeper spiritual existential awareness, but you might get there and you could get there if you keep sticking at it and trying to embrace what yoga is and what it can be. And that takes some paying attention to yourself and kind of lead to other different types of yoga that is out there because there's not one type. And the experience of doing yoga is very subjective too. So it's a bit of a journey and a path. And I think if you keep doing it, 
when you get to the end of your life, you will have learned a lot. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like, I think I had messed around with yoga here and there long before I did that class with my brother, but it never really resonated well with me. It was more like just what I call furniture yoga. And I just go to class and do something and then you go to another class and it's totally unrelated to the previous class. Yeah. I just didn't get it. So finding a type of yoga that you like that really invigorates you and checking out all the different styles or so much different types of yoga. I think that's part of the process, right? Finding out what works for you. It's just a broad term for so many different things. Yeah. And listen, 15 years ago, what worked for me was Bikram because I would sweat like yeah. a beast and I would get all of what New York City had just done to me the previous day out and on the mat. Uh-huh. And sometime <laughs> thereafter, I really had a tough time being in a hot room and doing that yoga. The next day, I might as well have been at some bar because I actually was pretty dehydrated from just Bikram. Even when I spent a pretty mm-hmm. good day before Bikram eating the right things and drinking water. So for me, my practice is, is much different than it was 15 years ago when it was really about a hot studio doing Bikram. Now it's a way more intentional practice. Right. But it served a purpose and it created that. It started the journey. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Most of what I do now, like I don't do any Bikram anymore either, but it started the journey too. Yeah. It's, just, it's the door that got you in. So Ken, as we near towards the end, what would you tell guys who never tried yoga? or tried it once and it wasn't for them. What's your advice for those guys? I would say just show up, go to find a studio that has a variety of classes and just show up and just do your best and be present. Don't worry about what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. Right. And just keep coming back. And I think that it'll serve as a great foundation for the things that you enjoy. Even if it's not the highlight of what you enjoy doing the most, it'll make your basketball better. It'll make your running better. It'll make your hockey better. It'll make your CrossFit better. It'll make your cycling better. So it's a great foundation for developing an awareness of your body and your mind that's really hard to achieve doing something else. And it's a great foundation for life and for other activities to just show up and commit that time to doing it. And it's really just an invaluable investment in other things that you may enjoy doing even more. Spot on. Well, hey, Ken, great to connect. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Really appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing your story and also all the work you're doing with those who struggle with addiction, rather. And thank you for all that. And so hopefully we'll connect again in the future. But this was really great. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for having me. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Ken knows his stuff. Ken's had a deep practice. And the thoughts that he shares around really working that trauma out of the body, learning how to find times in your day, particularly at night, doing a little yoga before you go to bed. In fact, I challenge those who are listening to try that. A big believer in doing yoga first thing in the morning, that's great. Try it at night. Try a little bit at night. Turn off the phone. Do a little yoga. You can put your feet up the wall and just enjoy lying on the floor with your feet up a wall in a restful spot or whatever you do. Just do a little something to transition into a good night's sleep. If you are a loved one and want to find out more about Ken's services, check him out on YouTube, Ken Star MD Wellness Group. And you can also check out his website, Ken Star, K-E-N-S-T-A-R-R-M-D.com. Have a good night and enjoy your practice.